I think he was getting on a plane. He told me last, he came in to see me last event. And representatives, uh, Shirley Jackson Lee, Al Green, Sylvia Garcia, Lizzie Pinelli, uh, uh, excuse me, Pinell, and uh, what am I doing here? I'm going to lose track here. And uh, uh, We don't know what you're doing either, Joe. Hit the open. The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is your United States of America. Podcast that's got topics for days, and it'll leave you in a haze. Hosted by two mother that like to talk about everything: news, sports, politics, pro wrestling, people jumping off buildings, taco shops, top ten lists, and more. It's got one guy who likes to get high on a lot of grass, and the other guy who got shot in the ass. And now, here's your host of the Hitting the Marks podcast, Jargo and RBV. Thanks, MSG. Hello, ladies and gaijin, and welcome to an all-new edition of the Hitting the Marks podcast right here at the HTM Podcast Network, redesigned online, hittingthemarks.com, as well as Hameen Media, hackerhameen.podbean.com, hameenmediagroup.podbean.com. I am the aforementioned Dr. Jargo. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend. He's wearing orange, and I don't know if it's Cleveland or Cincinnati. He's the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. Well, here's one thing that we do know, Jargo. It's me, it's me, it's the RBV, TikTok, TikTok, one, two, three, cancel culture has gotten Dr. Seuss as America continues to become one giant pussy. You've got to be kidding me. First we went after the Muppets, now we're going after Dr. Seuss. What the hell's the deal with Dr. Seuss? This is the first time hearing about this. This must have broke while I was sleeping today. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, I, I think, you know, with here in the last 24 hours, if, if you've probably been tuned off to the to just the real world anymore, but the outside world is the manipulated media once again has found their way in, into some naughty nooks and crannies of our society to to spread their evilest cancer. Uh, but yes, six Dr. Seuss books will not be published uh, because what is being deemed as racist imaging? Oh, my God. Now, I, I guess I guess to be safe, I don't know if I've read every Dr. Seuss book, but I'm going to say that I've had a fair uh, sample of the publications. I can't think of anywhere at any point where something seemed even minutely racist or offensive. I am so over this bullshit, dude. I am just so over it. Like I, The Muppets were just the last freaking straw for me. Like... Really? You want to go after the fucking Muppets? They're fucking puppets, dude. They're fucking puppets. Between that and the and the stupid-ass Mr. Potato Head bullshit, and people are like, why are you so upset about Mr. Potato Head? It's like, dude, we already have Mr. Potato Head, we have Mrs. Potato Head, and don't give me this bullshit about how, oh, the, you know, genetics and all. You're a dude or you're a chick. One of the fucking two. All right. There's only two fucking genders. You want to get into sexuality and all this other stupid bullshit? Fine. More power to you. But you're either a dude or you're a fucking chick. That's it. 
That's it. Hey, a, a little fun fact here is I was studying up on this Dr. Seuss situation. Uh, Dr. Seuss himself it remains popular, earning an estimate $33 million before taxes in 2020. Uh, that's up from just $9.5 million just five years ago. Uh, Forbes has Dr. Seuss listed as the number two highest paid dead celebrity back oh in 2020. He's only number 20, only two, number two behind Michael Jackson. Wow. That's impressive. That's some serious coin there. 33 million for Dr. Seuss. That's some scratch. Uh, who, who has passed on so long ago. It'd be interesting to see if any uh, backlash from now the uh, the six books that are that are being removed from publication. And this isn't obviously this is pressure from outside sources, uh, but it is the, the the family, the company, their board who they said you know they have been in depth conversations for the longest time that they have finally come to this Justin Reisjitz decision. <laughs> But we'll, we'll see how it holds up when it, with these sales. Oh, my God. That is just awful. Yeah, yeah. We expect an update on that over the course of the next couple of weeks. Huckleberry, I guess we might as well go ahead and jump into the weekend update presented by our friends over at JustCBDStore.com. Of course, enter our promo code HTM. Get 20% off in the finest of vape products. If you hear me vaping today, that's what? I'm smoking CBD. Um, Huckleberry, I have had... A very interesting weekend. I don't know what the hell you did because we've barely talked at all this weekend. I I put myself on airplane mode on Friday and I just kind of cut myself off from the world. Uh, a couple of updates. Uh, number one, Carly and I actually ate in a restaurant for the first time in a year the other day. Um, yeah, it was quite the experience. All you can eat shrimp and whatnot. Got together with my mom and my sister and her conglomerate of children or, or human resources, as I like to call them, as well as her husband. Um, it, nice place, man. It was like an hour and a half from here, literally out in the middle of freaking nowhere. Some of the best shrimp I've had, though. And then uh, we, we got home on Saturday, send the kids off with grandma. Carly and I got the place all to ourselves. And you know what we did? We hired a real estate agent. Huckleberry, the locker room Whoa. studios are going to be moving, I'm guessing, probably over the course of the next month to a month and a half. We are in the market. Um, exciting and terrifying times, man. Have you ever been in on the whole like house buying process? It is a clusterfuck. Uh, I will say it's not, it's not really something that, that I've been into. I really don't want to own anything. It's not really been something that I've ever. I've always really been that way, too reach for uh, that I wanted to achieve, you know, mainly just because of all the, and I know, you know, that's the American dream to have your own piece of the pie there, but so many headaches that come along with it that I just don't see that I can fit into my life. You know, I'm, I'm you know me, I'm one of those guys, I, they're kind of, I'm easy going, I'm on the fly, a lot of responsibility when you're a homeowner. I think we might blend between the two. Um, Saturdays, we were kind of looking at some places, kind of getting turned on to the idea of condo living. Very nice. Uh, condo, townhouses. Actually, it's funny, as you mentioned, one of the things I had uh, on my list this, for the weekend here is big news. My niece was out looking for a place for her and the nephews. They're looking for townhouses. She's looking to buy as well. And it is an incredible market right now. Yeah, you can get some yeah. great deals. Yeah. 
Yeah, some crazy stuff going on. Of course, the Golden Globes were also over the course of this weekend. I don't want to talk about it because I didn't watch it. But guess what? What I want to talk about is the fact that nobody else watched it either. Rick, their ratings were down 60% from last year, and their ratings were in the toilet last year. The coveted 18 to 49 demo, a 1.2 rating. Like, we're getting into Monday Night Raw numbers. Wow. Uh, devastating. Well, maybe like Monday Night Raw, they they can boast that people were, be, were able to check them out on social media and YouTube for those unique views. Uh, that is incredible. I'd seen you had this kind of, you wanted to talk about it for your weekend here. I didn't even know this thing was happening. I think that's what really happened. Like the marketing for it was absolutely awful. We haven't really had that much new content that's worthy of an award over the course of the last year or so. I mean, and what I did see of it, it's just the Hollywood elites walking around, patting themselves on the back for how fucking great they are. And I think people are just tired of watching that shit. Well, I remember the fallout from last year, and you see this kind of across the board with so many of these award shows, is that they really lost the the point. You know, the, the reason for the season for being there, uh, and it's actually to celebrate the the awards, correct? Where it just became just a political platform yep. for these Hollywood leftist agendas. Yeah. And, it, and when you're setting yourself up for, you know, a three-hour program, when you're under the disguise of entertainment, and it turns into, again, you know, just political propaganda, you're going to turn off a good portion of this country and, and that viewing audience. I just could not believe down 60% from last year, which was awful. Just that just blew my freaking oh, mind. Who was covering this thing? I mean, how many stations was it on? Was it NBC National? It was on NBC broadcast. I didn't know if this was one of those things because, you know, if you noticed this in the last couple of years, they're teaming up. We're not essentially teaming up, but they're using their other distribution outlets as well. So they are like mass streaming this. So you'll get like the national outlet and then you'll get a handful of their cable distribution platforms. Um, speaking of kind of to bring this conversation in, I, I, I saw this kind of in passing. Did you see that Roku is buying a big chunk of Nielsen? Very interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm very intrigued by that. That's going to be a story to follow up on. And then, of course, I guess to go back to our roots, uh, I, I did watch an awful lot of pro wrestling over the course of the weekend. New Japan's castle attack happened this weekend. And uh, the, the shows were fine. I mean, nothing real super exciting. I, I saw one devastating headline. I, I assume that you're referencing Kota Ibushi now unifying both the IWGP Intercontinental Championship as well as the IWGP Heavyweight Championship into the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. We're going to get rid of the two most beautiful belts in all of professional wrestling. Um, Rick, I hate this. I that's absolutely even, that's even hate more this. devastating that we're getting rid of both of these. It can't just it, it just absorb the other one without a redesign. Right? I mean, the IWGP version four championship, it, people can talk about the AEW belt all they want. The IWGP version four that they sent to our, our friend Billy Ray Valentine to get things reopened when New Japan restarted. That is the most beautiful belt on the face of the freaking planet. And nobody's going to convince me otherwise. Uh, absolutely, especially you know going right now, one of the best looking, one of the best looking belts of all time, really. Yeah. And, and you and I, you and I had this conversation a few weeks ago 
And you really explained to me where I was maybe misled uh, a misperception about the importance of the Intercontinental Championship. But, you know, to me, for someone that's just jumped on board with New Japan, really picking up steam behind their product in the last five years, that title meant something to me. And when I look around the landscape of professional wrestling, it still stood out as one of the top championships. Absolutely. And to see it go to the wayside like this, absolutely devastating. And I know in the conversation, Jargo, you had made some arguments for, you know, this could be an opportunity to elevate the... The Never Division. The Never Division, you know, the U.S. Championship if they want. Ah, But still, man, it it just doesn't have that same appeal, that draw of the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. New Japan has too many belts. I That much, I absolutely, completely believe. But, you know, like the Never Belt, the Never Six-Man Belts, the Junior Tag Titles, the King of Pro Wrestling, uh, the U.S. title... You, you can have all five of those belts. Go ahead, throw them in the fucking trash, but let me keep the IWGP Heavyweight Championship and the Intercontinental Championship. If you want to call the Heavyweight Championship a world title, fine. I didn't realize that it wasn't a world title to begin with. I think we've all just called him the world champion. Yeah, I guess uh, that does, it does surprise me a little bit here. Uh, as I assume maybe just a name through the company, but every other, what, you know, your, your uh, top sheets, promotions, whatever the case might be, they've recognized it as a world championship. And you bring up the names throughout the company, right? Here's the one that really torqued my tits. All right. Here's what really grinds my gears. All right. They're starting the lineage over. Kota Ibushi will be the last IWGP heavyweight champion, and he will be the first IWGP world heavyweight champion. We don't have to dump all the fucking lineage. What are we doing? Doesn't make any sense, man. I'm just, I'm outraged. That's, this. that's actually very surprising, especially when you look at the traditions, just not of New Japan, just not of Japanese wrestling, but the whole society. The whole culture. And how much that they honor their history, even when they continue to evolve. It's really remarkable. I was actually watching uh, some clips from a documentary special, something coming up that, that talks about, you know, Japan as a society. And although how they are leading the way globally when it comes to, you know, technology and you know, waves of the future for, you know, you know, just, you know, big city living down to your very basics still with all of that, how progressive they seem when it comes to technological advancements, they, they still hold very close to their heart and honor their heritage and their history. Started watching this uh, new docu-series on Netflix, Age of Samurai Battle for Japan. And it starts in like the 1500s of like old school Japan that is some cool shit. Really, really highly recommend that. Uh, one, one, one more thing is all I got for the weekend update, Huckleberry, and that's a shout-out. Shout-out to our friend Shane Taylor, who had a bitchin' matchup with Roosh over the course of the weekend. Uh, Rick, I really, really like this match. Have you had a chance to see it yet? I actually did. It blew me away, man. Uh, uh, Shane, tremendous performance from Shane. My only complaint about the entire match was Roosh. Like, I think Roosh is fantastic. I think he's probably one of the top 10 professional wrestlers in the world. But if he wants to get into that top end conversation, 
Dude's got to learn how to sell, man. That guy sold nothing from Shane for like 25 minutes. You, you, you can't spell no sell without Roosh. Yeah, no shit. My God, kicking out of Shane's finish at not even one. Like, what the fuck? I was just, I was so outraged by that. What about you, Huckleberry? What else you got going on over the course of the weekend? Well, you know, talking about new championships, some big, exciting news uh, from, from my front here. Made a trip Saturday up to Greenfield, Ohio. Don't worry if, if you haven't heard of it. Not many people have. Uh, but we are set to put it on the map May 15th, the debut of the Pro Wrestling Alliance. I know it's not the sexiest of names, but damn it, it's old school. And what's old is new again. We're bringing back that vibe, that, that classic field, the territory days. It's going to be the uh, the debut, the Great American Rumble. You know, the Pro Wrestling Alliance. And what I'm really excited about, just not the talents and the individuals that are putting this thing together that that have honored with me, you know, honored me to to join their team and help putting this thing together. But we brought on, he's going to be helping with the book and agent and really just you know, being that, that just that veteran consultant that everybody needs. Uh, but yes, the good doctor, Ted McNailer, man beast is going to be joining our crew. So I'm excited to be working with him. So, Hey, I had, so I had some pro wrestling things going on. Of course, we're always busy at HMG with everything we've, we've got from uh, our brand management partners to just our own programming, continuing to, to grow the brand there, getting back to action at the track, had some racing action this past weekend. Hopefully we're going to be running full throttle pun intended coming up this Saturday. Uh, and then much like you, Jargo, Hey, I had some good eats and yeah, I was big shrimping too, man. Sunday afternoon, one out for some Mexican and I got this, they called it the, the Supremo taco salad, man. This thing was absolutely loaded. I mean, it was like the size of a football, this deep fried crispy oh God. tortilla bowl, but no, I mean, it came, I haven't even seen anything like this. I mean, I bet you there was a half pound each of steak, chicken and shrimp inside of this thing and then on top of that you know you had your lettuce you had your your grilled onion your grilled peppers big old mountain of that that delicious shredded cheese it was i was in heaven man and i, I got it down uh people i were with like there's no way you're gonna be able to do that you're done for the day you're not gonna move i got that son of a bitch down then i put down a bucket of beers and then on the late night i had me two uh italian steak hoagies <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know if you saw on my uh, daily top 10 today. I'm going to send you this picture um, on your Facebook. Uh, I saw this on the national news this morning where uh, there is a outfit called Fong's Pizza uh, that has developed the Fruit Loop Pizza. Yeah, you heard that. It's a Fruit Loop Pizza. Um, and I was absolutely disgusted by this. And then they said that it came from Fong's Pizza. And I'm very familiar with Fong's Pizza here in Iowa. Uh, Rick, I know we've talked before about the whole pineapple thing, but fucking Fruit Loops? Hey, you know, I'm looking at this thing. Why it doesn't look appealing. I am interested uh, and more so in dissecting this thing. You know, what are we talking here for a sauce? Or are we going with like more of a. Uh, milk creamy sauce, like a creamy milk sauce i mean are, are we trying to just truly replicate that bowl of cereal i i don't know i am just so completely outraged by this entire thing i saw the the article on it earlier today um 
me see if I can uh, find out real quick what kind of sauce it is. Well, I, here's, what I, I'm, here's what I'm thinking here. You're going to have a probably, um, I'm going to say they're going to have a unique style of mozzarella on there, maybe even a provolone with some kind of white sauce. I mean, that's what you got to go with on this thing. I, I got to be honest with you. Hey, to each their own when it comes to comes the pizza. I think that's one of the beautiful things about it. It's it's one of those things. That it's limitless. Uh, you can do any flavor, any style that you want. I'm just not really a fan of Fruit Loops. You're not a fan of Fruit Loops? Absolutely not. Wait, are, are you one of these like grain cereal people or something? You got me. Ugh. Huckleberry. I expect so much uh, I better. I do, man. Skirts. Like any other pizza. But then things start to get a little loopy. There's a fruity delight in every bite of this. But is it a delight when it's Fruit Loops Pizza? Fong's Pizza in Des Moines, Iowa, bills it as a breakfast and dessert pizza. The Fruit Loops obviously bring the sweetness and the crunch. But others call it a crime against humanity, an abomination to pizza everywhere. I'm one of those people. It looks like something you'd see on a New York City sidewalk after the St. Patrick's Day parade. It does. seemed to really make some people angry. As an Italian, I am formally declaring war on Iowa. Fong's Pizza actually dreamed up what they call Loopy Fruits Pizza six years ago. We're all sitting at a table and somebody goes, well, what about Fruit Loops? But it never quite took off. Now they're relaunching it using cream cheese, then the Fruit Loops, sprinkled with a bit of mozzarella, and drizzled with a sauce made from yogurt and sweet condensed milk. Okay. I, I knew I could find the answer if I looked hard enough. I, there you go. All right. You know, for, for those that, if that's their flavor, you're looking for that unique, uh, you know, breakfast bite. I think this thing it, it might have legs. Oh. The pizza is one of those. It's one of those crazy things where you know it, the toppings can be limitless, the possibilities endless. You're, you're never going to change the mind of those traditionalists. I guess I'm a traditionalist. I, I, I guess. No, you just you're just a simplistic eater around. <laughs> I'm just simplistic. You know, you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. Because you you have a you're a big fan of the hut. You know, the, the pizza that most Americans grew up with that, that brought it really to America's table. Uh, but, yeah, you go up to the Northeast, man, you're totally in the wrong for going with the hut, for going with one of those products. Where, you know, when they're so proud of their mom and pop, those local corner shops. Uh, but you do you would agree with them or they would agree with you in your style, because what do you I mean, you get you getting crazy with pizza is what, like double pepperoni. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's like fucking extreme, dude. Yeah, as opposed to a month ago, I'm out with my buddy Strunk. We run up to the Dewdrop, one of my favorite dye bar pies. Uh, and it's it's ten bucks for the base and then a dollar a topping. Huh? He, he asked me. He said, "What do you want on it?" I said, "Man, I love everything they got. Get whatever." He okay. comes back. It's a twenty four dollar pizza. They got fourteen toppings. We had all fourteen on top of this thing. Oh my god! That, yeah, no, I'm. I, you're right. I'm simple. I'm simple. That's. I'm not a picky eater. I'm just a simple eater. You know? what, what did you say that one time? You eat to eat. I eat for an experience. Exactly. I eat to survive. Huckleberry <laughs> eats because he enjoys it. You know? I mean, like, yeah, that's... Uh, except on Tuesdays, because I love my fucking tacos. That much is for sure. Uh, Rick, the, I guess we'll go ahead and jump into the show. I, I did have one other thing from the weekend. Uh, I kind of fucked up. 
I, you ever been sitting in a room and you think something in your head and then it just kind of comes out of your mouth without like you actually willingly doing it? Kind of happened with me and my mother-in-law over the course of the weekend. <clears throat> she came into town to get her uh, her second vaccine shot. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of started shit-talking the vaccines. You ever had that happen where you're just like, oh, I thought I just thought that in my head. I didn't mean to say that out loud. Uh, that, that is why I have completely stopped drinking before I go around the liberal side of my family. Damn it. Damn it. So, yeah, we, we got a couple vaccine clips, and, and then uh, <clears throat> I found out over the course of the weekend that I might be able to... Uh, to actually do something about these vaccines. But first, I, I this one just took the cake for me, Huckleberry. We've been hearing all along how great New Zealand has been doing when it comes to the vaccines and, and the stopping the spread of COVID. And then they, they had a breakout, Rick. Holy shit, listen to this. Earlier this afternoon, I was advised of a new case in the South Auckland community. The case is a family member of a student from Papatoetoe High School. That could provide a straightforward explanation for this infection. But in this case, it has not. The Papatoetoe High School student in the household has tested negative for COVID-19 on three separate occasions and currently has no symptoms for COVID-19. Based on this, we are in the unfortunate but necessary position of needing to protect Aucklanders once again. That is why Cabinet met this evening and made the decision that Auckland will need to move to Alert Level 3 for a period of seven days. The Level 3 remains the same as you will recall from earlier in the month. That means the main thing we are asking people in Auckland to do is to stay at home. We are locking down Auckland, New Zealand because there was one positive asymptomatic test. So we have to shut down Auckland, New Zealand for a week because of one asymptomatic positive test. Rick, what the hell are we doing here? Stop the presses, right? My God. We we have got a another pandemic prepared to go here on our hands. Uh, thankfully, New Zealand was, was able to catch this, right? Oh, yeah. I mean... My God, it would have went through New Zealand like wildfire. The thing I really don't understand is this kid is now tested negative three times. So now we're going to lock down for a week? I It doesn't make any goddamn sense to me. Just absolutely no sense whatsoever. I think what's, what's maybe a bit more terrifying into this is that you're seeing how sensitive individuals are to these scare tactics. These are the same people that want to cancel Dr. Seuss. I mean. Well, it is, I guess this would be a good time because I'm breaking news here uh, as you were kind of uh, waking and baking for the record. And uh, it seems like a good time to maybe throw it into the conversation as we got New Zealand, this area here in New Zealand, ready for a, another lockdown over one case. You know, last week's show was dominated. It was all pretty much about uh, the big old state of Texas. Uh, Texas now is they have come out and they're they're wide open, uh, wild west baby. All ho, all forward, a uh, ho, let's go. Uh, any surprises that when I woke you up with this news jargon? Uh no, 
I, I was not surprised at all. In fact, I actually started hearing rumblings about this on Sunday. So I was not surprised. And I guess my thing is how much of this is Texas just trying to keep up with Florida? Because Florida has been opened up for a while now, and basically everything entertainment-centric is now happening in Florida. There's not a whole lot happening in Texas. How much of this is just, we can't justify keeping this damn thing shut down? Well, and as you look at it, really, Florida, it, it didn't shut down. No. I mean, you had you had small little pockets where you've seen some of these regulations held strictly in place, but the vast majority of that state, they continued, they were rocking and rolling. They were welcoming hell just, you know, just not the tourists, but all forms of entertainment, you know, across the board, you know, sports, how many went there? Yeah. Uh, WWE relocated everything there. AEW relocated everything there. Even the world of politics relocated everything there. I mean, CPAC happened over the course of this weekend. And I, I think, you know, just outside of, though, of Texas realizing, you know, we played the game. We're so fine. We're so far behind the ball now financially when it comes, you know, to a comparison with Florida. But, you know, last week, all the hardships that we talked about that are happening in Texas, you are going to tell those citizens that after everything that they have gone through here with these power grid, uh, everything that's kind of fallen apart through the, the climate initiatives you're going to tell them now that you're going to continue to regulate their lives absolutely not we've seen uh, a bit of this going on in iowa as well i ohio's starting to open up somewhat right oh yeah we've uh, we got the, the ball is rolling uh for a couple of weeks now you know you've seen uh, bars, restaurants, business in general, where the curfew has been lifted. So especially those that on the late night are back to their extended hours. We're on our regular like alcohol service hours. You're seeing even in the, you know, for the world of pro wrestling uh, and then in, you know, just sports in general that they're upping the occupancy, you know, the, the crowds that are allowed to attend these events. So yeah, they're definitely moving in that direction. I did. Uh, I, I heard some fear porn last night. Kind of bugged me a little bit. I mean, because everybody remembers, you know, the big Thanksgiving spread that we were uh, warned about. You know, don't don't have dinner with your your family because there's going to be this huge spread after Thanksgiving, and and that never really happened. And then uh, it was Christmas. Uh, you you got to be careful on Christmas. You know, just Christmas basically the New people Year in your and- house. And uh, that that spread didn't happen either. And then it, then it was New Year's and then it was the Super Bowl. And now it's becoming spring break. Oh, we got to be, be careful over spring break. We're going to see this huge spike. And it's like, seriously, how many times are we going to do this? Can we just move the fuck on already? Like, because this shit is ridiculous, man. Like, while in Iowa, the governor has come out and basically removed the mask mandates and whatnot, uh, locally, our, our beloved fucking mayor, who is worthless as tits on a boar, um, he has his own mandate, which he can't really do anything about. He can't really enforce. He can't really fine anybody for it. But, you know, we're sticking to that. And, and people are, like, trying to double down on this shit all of a sudden. And it's like, enough! 
I'm fucking sick of it. You motherfuckers get your goddamn ass. I'm tired of doing twice the fucking work while you assholes sit at home and work for 15 minutes a day. Like, no, I have fucking had it. 15 days to fucking flatten the curve was 354 days ago. Like, what are we doing? This is just but fucking asinine. You continue. You talk about the continued use of these, uh, I guess, what buzz. You know, they, they hit these buzz events right now instead of your buzz terms. It's fear porn. That's what fear it is. Porn. It's fear porn. Uh, okay, fear. Absolutely, fear porn. Uh, but again, they're they're manipulated in a way to use the children here. Uh, you know, the, the biggest stories I'm seeing state to state. Will the kids be able to have their proms, be able to have their graduate? Well, why the hell not right now? Right? I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, it, it doesn't need to be, you know, we're, you're going crazy with all of this stuff. You're going absolutely over the top, but you can put protective measures in place where they should be able to have these events problem free without any concern. Absolutely, especially with the amount of money that has been thrown at the schools over the course of the first two stimulus packages, not to mention what's already included in this third one, assuming that they get it passed, which is another whole fucking tangent that I feel like I could go off on. If, if you know full goddamn well that the Senate committees have already come out and said this $15 minimum wage bullshit is not going to fly here. This does not fit into reconciliation. This needs to be its own fucking bill, and we're going to kick it back to the House if you send it over here. And Pelosi's like, well, we're going to send it. It's like, for what? Why Why do we do this stupid shit? Why do we do this ceremonial horse shit that takes fucking days on end to fucking process? Now the Senate's all got to get together. The Senate's going to vote. The Senate's going to vote it down. They're going to send it back to the House. And then the House has to reapprove it to send it back to the Senate. Why didn't you just fucking cut that fucking bullshit before you sent it over there? It's so fucking stupid continued circle of bullshit that we get the circle of bullshit that's what it is man it will it would what gets me is the people that are lining up to continue consuming this circle of bullshit that that still believe that this is a talking point inside of of any of these stimulus you want to call it but inside any of these bill packages it, it has nothing to do with a relief packaging here just absolutely Get it out of there. ridiculous. Let it stand on its own. It's his own. Actually, you know, I don't even know why they are having those conversations at that level of government. Right? That, that should be state responsibilities. Remember the remember the good old states? We got 50 of them. And the reason we have them is because it was to present an open market where they can regulate. This is might sound crazy, govern themselves. When it comes to something like a minimum wage or any kind of fair wage, living expenses, there is not a blanket answer. That is, it should not be falling under our federal government and their decision-making or lack of decision-making abilities. And we talk about it with the pro wrestling thing all the time. You got to get out of your bubble. You got to realize that the wrestling bubble is much, much smaller than what you actually think it is. And I feel the same way about the politicians. It's like, you know, they, they all look at New York and they all look at D.C. and we need that $15 minimum wage. Well, go spend some time in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, where, you know, $15, you're living pretty good in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. $15, you're still going to be broke as fuck in New York City. 
You know, it, it, the country is too big. You're right. It's not a one-size-fits-all kind of answer. Well, the problem is it, we we have become or people are buying in to this propaganda that they are pitching to us where they themselves are simply sampling from the cesspools of America, New York city, Washington, DC, Chicago, Illinois, and the entire state of California. Now what they've got going on in California right now is completely ridiculous. Yeah. It is absolutely disgusting that they, it, it would, I guess what makes it so over the top is the state of California continues to insist that they're ahead of some kind of curve, that they're a brave leadership that the rest of this country should follow behind. You know, Absolute and bullshit. it's the same thing with Cuomo. You know, like, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that the media is singing the praises of Cuomo and New York is the gold standard. And oh, wait, he killed how many people? Oh, maybe we should pivot away well, from this guy. It's now, like, uh, it's like no, the Michael Avenatti thing all over again. It's it's not the ultimate heat that he's getting now. It has nothing to do with the deaths and and how he lied and, and what he did financially to those economies there. No, it's sexual harassment. How about that? I apologize if maybe it didn't understand my humor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because, you know, you want to play strip poker? That's fucking hilarious. That, well, I, it is Andrew Cuomo, so I guess it is kind of funny. Uh, for those of us who are, are following the vaccine story, um, clearly we, we have heard the Johnson & Johnson vaccine has now been approved for emergency use as well as the Moderna and the Pfizer fucking mRNA vaccines. Uh, well, now at, at record here on Tuesday, uh, delicious taco Tuesday afternoon, almost 5 o'clock on the East Coast, uh, Biden should be heading in for a, a prepping or brief a briefing on the Johnson and Johnson is now they are having trouble with spillage issues. Yeah. And, and the problem is it wasn't made by Banderna and that means that Dr. Fauci is not profiting from it. So we have to get rid of Johnson and Johnson that, that, that would not surprise me at all. What's really going on here. Uh, but there is been a lot of talk about these vaccines and because it seems as though about half of the American people agree with me and they don't even want the fucking vaccine. So now the next solution is we have to make the vaccines mandatory. So like, you know, if you want to go back to work, you got to get the vaccine. You want your kids to go to school, they got to get the vaccine. And just kind of forcing it onto us like they have done with like, you know, the smallpox vaccine, polio vaccine, the MMR vaccine. Uh, but there are ways around that. And as I mentioned earlier, CPAC, over the course of the weekend, one of the speakers doc down there, uh, Dr. Shannon Croner, spoke with uh, NTD and uh, pointed this out when it comes to the religious exception when it comes to vaccines. I've created this coalition of different religious leaders of all faiths. So I'm working with rabbis, pastors, priests. We even have Buddhist monks, an imam who, um, despite the religious differences, they have all united on this one issue of protecting the freedom of choice for religious vaccine exemptions and to protect the religious vaccine exemption because so many mandates are coming out regarding either the COVID vaccine or the flu vaccine. Um, there's been many colleges over the last year who have been mandating their students to get the flu vaccine. Um, and now there are employers who are mandating their employees to get the, you know, either the flu vaccine or the COVID vaccine or both of them. And so what um, our organization has been doing is 
creating a network of all these different religious leaders who they are not anti-vax, but they believe in the freedom of choice. And so um, we've got, you know, pastors and rabbis and priests all throughout the country protecting uh religious freedom, but more specifically, the religious vaccine exemption. Rick, two interesting parts on this. Number one, I can sign people's religious exemptions when it comes to the vaccine. Now, keep in mind, I, I have three pastorships. You know, I, I while I do have my, my Christian pastorship and my ministry there, I also have the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster as well as the Church of Dudism. So if you are looking at uh, maybe, you know, weaseling your way out of the vaccine... Go ahead, hit me up on the DM, you know, at not Jargo. I might be able to help you out here. I get all kinds of perks now. But, but, like any other great cause out there for your religious beliefs and your, and your religious freedoms, it doesn't come free. So uh, we, we need you to help build up these pillars of the Church of the HTM. There you go. Which is a division of the Church of Stevie, in case anybody was curious. Yeah. There you go uh, for for a minimal donation. There is one thing that the good Doctor Jago will take care of you. <laughs> there there is one thing that Doctor Croner said inside of that clip that I don't agree with though, Rick. Um, she she makes the comment about how you know most of the time your employers are just like, oh, religious exemption? Okay, cool. But every once in a while, you do get that one employer who kind of wants to ask some questions and, you know, wants to give you the runaround about it. And then you can contact her and she puts you in touch with some other people and you, you get this whole thing. Um, that is not the answer. Uh, if your uh, employer does not just straight up accept your religious exemption, if they start asking, they ask you one fucking question. Your next phone call had better be to an attorney to sue the shit out of your fucking employer. That is your next phone call. Oh, I was waiting for a plug. I thought you were going to drop that. We have a new uh, attorney sponsor. <laughs> so, no, yeah, but if we, if we if we partnered with the Jim Cornette show, did we get uh, Stephen P. New? Never, never going to partner with the Jim Cornette show. Uh, but that that's all they got to do, Rick. I would love. Absolutely love. If I turn in my religious exemption from getting this fucking mRNA vaccine, I would just love it if our HR person was like, I don't know if this is on the up and up because you know how much money I could get out of my employer if I just sued the shit out of them for a religious exemption. Holy shit. You're talking millions of dollars. Million. Uh, this might be my best exit strategy yet. Uh, hey, uh can you get like certified anything on legal zoom up this upcoming week? I mean, you, I mean, we could have you be uh, the reverend, the doctor attorney at law. Who is the man in the suit? Who is the cat with the feet? Do you really want to be? Attorney, Harvey Attorney, Harvey Attorney. Well, it does bring up, though, uh, I would be OK with them questioning it because, you know, one of the greatest holidays brought back to light because of the employer questioning the employee. And that is, of course, Festivus. If George didn't have to prove. 
Bingo. Uh, why why he created the human fund. It's valid. Valid. All right, Huckleberry, let's talk about Syria. Uh, because over the course of this week, we have had uh, some news come out that the Biden administration started dropping bombs. Uh, first, you know, diplomacy is back, and now we're dropping bombs on your ass. Um, and there was a lot of people, there was a lot of talk in our circles about this. But when it comes to mainstream media and whatnot, it seemed like mum was kind of the word on this one. Well, again, you know, that's that's the manipulated media where we are the stimulating media. So you're going to get that conversation from the HMG and the circles that we run in. Uh, again, yeah, this is, I mean, they would have you believe you go with that, that major manipulated media. I mean, this is like page 10 stuff, right? Yeah, and it's bizarre because we're dropping bombs on people. Uh, but the, the big topic really seems to be around the legalities of the, these drone strikes, which there's not too many things that I agree with Joe Biden about, but he absolutely has the right to drop bombs without consulting Congress. Get your head out of your ass, Congress. You are not that fucking important. He is, you know, the commander in chief for a reason. Um, but you know, back in 2018, Now Vice President Kamala Harris, I strongly support our men and women in uniform and believe we must hold Assad accountable for his unconscionable use of chemical weapons, but I am deeply concerned about the legal rationale of last night's strikes. The president needs to lay out a comprehensive strategy in Syria in consultation with Congress, and he needs to do that now. That's Kamala Harris, April 14th, 2018. Uh, Jen Psaki, she was almost a year ahead of Kamala uh, when we were dropping bombs that were there. Now the press secretary. Also, what is legal authority for strikes? Assad is a brutal dictator, but Syria is still a sovereign country. Um, Rig, I don't understand this narrative. Uh, Did this happen when Trump took office? Because I don't necessarily remember it when Obama was dropping bombs fucking everywhere. Uh, The only thing the president needs approval from Congress for is to declare war, not to be doing airstrikes in Americans' best interest. Oh, absolutely. I mean, everything was, and and anybody from either side that's done this, I mean, usually within their own, you know, within the rights, the rules of the office, just about fitting agendas, correct? Yeah, I, I just this this congressional overreach seems very very concerning to me. Uh, and I'll repeat it: the only thing the president needs approval from Congress for is to declare war. The Constitution lays out that Congress are the ones that actually declare war, not the president. Uh, of course, we haven't actually been at war in a very very long time. Uh, but this whole that the the president has to consult Congress before he wants to go take a shit. Uh, That narrative is just absolute bullshit. And was this a Trump thing? Do you remember any of this under Obama? It's a prep here. I know you're going to go back and ask that. So I I do remember, and I found some headlines with some rumblings, uh, but certainly nothing was, was amplified to the magnitude of, of what we saw under president Trump. Huh. That's very odd to me. I just don't, I don't understand it. Uh, Trump, of course, did drop bombs in Syria. He did bomb the Assad regime. 
Uh, This article comes to us April 13th, 2018. President Donald Trump on Friday ordered the United States military in conjunction with France and the United Kingdom. Yeah, he didn't consult Congress, but he consulted France and the United Kingdom to launch strikes on Syria in retaliation for suspected chemical weapons attack by the regime of President Bashar al-Assad. Um, on a Damascus suburb. Uh, President said that the U.S. would aim to hit sites associated with chemical weapons capabilities of the Assad regime. We are prepared to sustain this response until the Syrian regime stops its use of prohibited chemical agents. Trump said in remarks from the White House, adding the U.S. had its allies marshaled their righteous power. Uh, Rick, this is very, very different than what's going on with Biden. But I mean, just looking at this from... Well, well, you know, Trump was dropping bombs over there, too. Well, Trump was dropping bombs in accordance with our allies. Uh, a very, very different kind of situation. Well, it just goes to And when you're seeing those detractors, those that are kind of on the other side of the fence that are, you know, trying to that point the finger that, well, teacher, teacher, you know, little Johnny was doing this. So it's supposed to somehow okay the current actions. You know, they they still want to continue to paint that picture of madman Trump just, you know, with his finger just free and easy on the button, uh, easy to pull the trigger any which way. But that wasn't the case. And now that it seems that the left is be, you know, that we can actually prove that they're a little free and easy, a little loosey goosey when it comes to that trigger. Uh, Now that, you know, they're trying everything that they can to distract from that and cover that up. Is that why the Joe Biden strikes are being reported the way that they are being reported? Is it because they knew that Trump bombed Syria so they could they could go directly to that? Because Joe Biden did not bomb Syria in any way, shape, or form. The only thing that the Biden and Trump bombings had in common was geography. But Biden wasn't bombing Syria He was bombing Iran and an Iranian base that just happens to be in Syria. This, of course, in response, uh, the Iranian-backed militia at the Syrian border of Iraq shot some rockets uh, at, at an American base, killed one man, injured six more. That was on February 15th. A Filipino U.S. contractor killed six others wounded. Rick, this was in retaliation towards Iran. This has absolutely nothing to do with Syria. So is that why the media is reporting that it's Syria? Just because they knew they could default to the Donald Trump thing? Well, you you have that fallback. You have that tie-in. You know, Trump has already been here. This is really his fault. He started this pressure. He's he's the one that caused this mess between us here. But that's not even true because this all started in 2014 under fucking Obama. And, and you can go back, you know, the conflict, the tensions between the two go back far beyond that. But when you can directly link this and put that Trump stamp on it, and again, what have what has this manipulated media? What has this extreme left continued? Their ace in the hole, their go-to card every time is to terrify individuals by manipulating and just flat out lying about these situations with Trump. Yeah, I, I just the the coverage of it has been so confusing to me. Because and I think what's you know what's more disturbing here is you opened up this conversation with Jargo. Biden was in every, every inch of his rights and and seeing, and this was in a retaliation. He struck back 
Yeah. But it's something that you could have been proud of. That everyone that felt that, you know, that that this, you know, that under his regime here, his leadership, that we were going to see a much softer and uh, that would be pushed around side uh, of our government. I mean, he flexed some muscle here. Well, and, and, and this kind of goes back to the cancel culture bullshit, like even with Dr. Seuss, right? Like we have talked quite frequently about how, like, you know, the Japanese don't give a fuck about your cancel culture bullshit, right? Well, guess what? Neither do the fucking Syrians. The Syrians don't give a shit. The Iranians don't give a shit. The Iraqis don't give a shit. And guess who else doesn't give a shit? Saudi fucking Arabia. Rick, we we have finally gotten the release of this Khashoggi report. For one reason or another, we are still allies with the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. We're also allies with Qatar, which really only has to do with a pipeline where they can run oil from Saudi Arabia to Turkey. That's really what this is all about. That's the only reason that we're over in Syria to begin with. It's the only reason we're still over there in the Gulf. But now this whole Khashoggi thing starting to blow up again with this report that was released over the course of the weekend. And really what this is all about, Russia is the biggest supplier of oil to the European Union. So, of course, Russia wants that pipeline to stay gone. We want to get the pipeline going from Saudi Arabia to Turkey so that, you know, the Saudis and the Americans can sell our oil directly to the EU through the fucking pipeline. Of course, we got to kill the pipeline in this country and drive our oil prices <laughs> way up. I was going to say, that's, but, that's, that's the ironic part of this. We're... we're where at all costs we're shutting down our own pipelines, but we're launching airstrikes and ready to wipe other individuals out to make sure that their stays open. How much of the timing of these bombings, quote unquote, in Syria, how much of that had to do with just covering up this whole Khashoggi report thing? Because to me, this is should be the biggest story of the week, and I've got it you know, kind of buried an hour into the show. Well, if the bombings were on page 10... Uh, these these have hit, hit yet to hit press, uh, hit hit the presses. You're not seeing this anywhere. For for anybody who does not remember the name Jamal Khashoggi, he is the Washington Post journalist of Saudi Arabian descent that the Saudi Arabian government cut up into little fucking pieces and Pretty much made uh, compost out of. Yeah, and, and then shipped his uh, dead fucking carcass back to Saudi Arabia. Uh, that happened in 2018. People have speculated literally for years now that that order was given by the Saudi crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, MBS. Um, and now the report has come out that directly says that Mohammed bin Salman gave the order. There has been a Canadian debrief as well as an American debrief at this point. Um and, and the thing that is funny about this is when you do find any stories, oh, well, the Biden administration has released this report. This was actually part of the 2020 budget. This was approved in December of 2019 by an 86 to 8 vote inside of the Senate that this had to be declassified. And then they kept holding it up and holding it up and holding it up. This was actually signed into law by Donald Trump in December of 2019. The report is just now coming out. I don't think if the Biden administration had their choice, there's any chance in hell this would be coming out because they don't want to upset Saudi Arabia because of the fucking pipeline and all the goddamn oil. It's always about the fucking oil. Well, that and wrestling super shows. Yeah, of course. Of course. 
And MBS is another one, you know, that he, he's been on the WWE TV. Vince McMahon and MBS, yeah, they they all kinds of good friends. Uh, absolutely. Uh, but again, it's it, you keep piling it on, the cover-up after the cover-up after the cover-up. I just, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand how this is not everywhere. The, 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 basically the ruler of Saudi Arabia ordered the killing of a Washington Post journalist. And nope, we got to defend Saudi Arabia. Really? For what? Hey, we've talked about this though before, and I'd made mention it to you. You look at you know, for the average American, you know, there was majority outrage when that happened, when this happened back in 2018. Has the perception and the feeling towards that mainstream manipulated media, has it shifted so drastically that people would kind of feel much differently? Personally and emotionally, it's possible. towards somebody like this losing their life like this. Yeah, it's possible. I don't know. It's. I mean, this story just fascinates me. Like at this point, there are documentaries coming I mean, out about the whole Khashoggi talk, thing. And, I, I know, but you talk about for your average U.S. citizen. All they care how, about is their fucking fourteen hundred dollars. They don't well, even that, care about the rest of that, the one point nine trillion dollars in the yeah. fucking spending bill. As long as they get their fourteen hundred, but. In just this short time, a little over three years, the perception that is changed by your average American when you ask them about freedom of speech, rights of the media, trust of the media, support of the media, how drastically different has it changed in just over these three years? Well, and and funny enough, that's actually a perfect segue into uh, our, my Donald Trump spiel that I've got prepared for today. Uh, guys, can we can we get the Donald Trump music queued up? No, 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 no. Not, not the YMCA. Uh, although Trump dancing to the YMCA is absolutely fucking hilarious, and I absolutely need more of that in my life. Uh, bring out the other one. Yeah, yeah. The Empire is back. Donald Trump is back. It's the return of the Trump. Uh, Rick, he spoke at CPAC, and he spoke, and he spoke, and he spoke, and he kept fucking speaking. This guy, he, dude, he went off for like two fucking hours. It was insane how long Donald Trump was up there well, talking you, at how, CPAC. How long has he kind of been off the grid? Yeah, yeah it, I mean, it's been a while. He doesn't have he doesn't have access to his social media platforms. We haven't seen him behind a microphone. I mean, this has been boiling up, right? I mean, this is this is Krakatoa. Yep, yep. So here are some highlights from the Donald Trump speech at CPAC over the weekend. Well, thank you very much. And hello, CPAC. Do you miss me yet? Do you miss me? Joe Biden has had the most disastrous first month of any president in modern history. That's true. Already, the Biden administration has proven that they are anti-jobs, anti-family, anti-borders, anti-energy, anti-women, and anti-science. 
In just one short month, we have gone from America first to America last. The Democrats don't have grandstanders like Mitt Romney, Little Ben Sass, Richard Burr, Bill Cassidy, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, Pat Toomey. And in the House, Tom Rice, South Carolina, Adam Kinzinger, Dan Newhouse, Anthony Gonzalez, that's another beauty, Fred Upton, Jamie Herrera Butler, Peter Meyer, John Katko, David Valadeo, and of course, the warmonger, a person that loves seeing our troops fighting, Liz Cheney. How about that? Joe Biden and the Democrats are even pushing policies that would destroy women's sports. Young girls and women are incensed that they are now being forced to compete against those who are biological males. It's not good for women. It's not good for women's sports. We're not starting new parties. You know, they kept saying, he's going to start a brand new party. We have the Republican Party. It's going to unite and be stronger than ever before. I am not starting a new party. Who knows? I may even decide to beat them for a third time, okay? Many people have asked, what is Trumpism? A new term being used more and more. I'm hearing that term more and more. I didn't come up with it. But what it means is great deals, great trade deals, great ones, not deals where we give away everything, our jobs, our money. Tens of millions of ballots, where are they coming from? They're coming all over the place. Where illegal aliens and dead people are voting, and many other horrible things are happening that are too voluminous to even mention. But people know, I mean, it's being studied, and the level of dishonesty is not to be believed. So there it is, Rick, right inside of the Trump 2024. Uh, here are the, the pillars of the, the campaign. We have to get election reform going, immigration reform going, and cancel culture is going to be a big part of the, the Trump 2024 platform, the whole freedom of speech and trying to silence conservative voices. That is going to be one of the pillars of the Trump campaign in 2024. I don't know. I know so many people are getting excited about this and rallying behind this. I just don't see how this helps evolve and it helps helps move anything for the right party forward. Oh, I, I completely agree with that. I completely agree with that. Um, 
election reform, clearly, we there's been all kinds I, of... I, I know these are all serious issues. I mean, I agree, you know, the election reform... Are they, though? Uh, election I, reform, I, immigration reform, and cancel culture. Like, th- that's the pillars of the platform? Really? Well, I, I mean, when you get on the back end of this, and I think you have to dissect each of these individually and pick out the important parts. Uh, I think, you know, when we talk about election reform, uh, I, I think that we do need a more formula, you know, formula system. I agree. Uh, this isn't agree. something that shouldn't be by each state because you're not regulating it. You're not monitoring it properly. I also think when you don't talk about election reform, something that you have hammered home over and over, Jargo, is about contributions. Oh, campaign finance a, reform. Yes, I think that should fall into that. I mean, that's that's one of those finer details. I, I, I guess uh, my problem is I, I don't see election reform being such a hot button issue that is going to push the vote. You, you know what I mean? Like this is like point fifteen to twenty, not point one to three. Oh, I, I would agree with you there, but I, I still think they're they're of an importance. Uh, and this is again, this is both sides catering to this fluff and your your fear porn, your scare tactics. Where again, you know, I, I want a party. I want a leader that's actually going to come and talk about what I've been screaming about since since we've got back on the air together here. And, and that is, how about education reform? How about financial responsibility? And I do agree with this immigration reform because we need to be protecting the best interests of our citizens. That doesn't mean I don't. I don't mean you shut everything down and we're going to turn a cold shoulder and we're these heartless bastards. But we we got to really look at our own core in that sense. Oh, immigration Before reform. Before we help anyone else, we need to figure out how to help ourselves. Immigration reform, absolutely, I can see as being one of those big three pillars. That I completely agree with. Um, especially in that same, in that same breath, I don't think it, when we are going to sit down and have serious conversations about immigration reform, I'm sorry. One of the last people that I want sitting at the, you know, leading driving my bus is Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agreed. Um, of course, when it comes to immigration, there's a whole crisis getting ready to happen down at the Southern border. Uh, California's answer is to just throw money at it. Uh, 28 million, I think it was. Isn't that the article that you sent me? 28 million so that they can welcome open arms to the, uh, the, the asylum seekers arriving from Mexico. Yeah. Basically what they want to do is they're going to spend $28 million to put these people up so that, you know, they cross the border illegally and then they get a whole bunch of money from the California government that they can go live off of for, you know, six to 18 months uh, while we wait for their court hearing to see if they actually get to stay in the country. That's, that's what's going on. And and again, this coming from the West coast cesspool. And and this is catch and release. That's exactly what it is. Uh, Who, who, State debt far exceeds any other. And this is why, because they do stupid shit like this. Absolutely. Uh, and this is, I mean, when is someone going to stand up to them and say, no, you're cut off. You, you are done. And correct me if I'm wrong here too. I mean, aren't they like the leaders for homelessness? Yeah. Yeah. Skid so uh, so again, gnarly. so it comes back to, as I'm talking about, 
we're we're not going we're, we're not so heartless and we're not going to turn our cold shoulder but we have to realize that we have our own struggles and needs that need to be addressed before we start trying to fix Mexico or wherever the hell else individuals are coming from. Yep, completely agreed. Uh, the, the other pillar, cancel culture. Um, I to me, what buzz, what fear porn again though? Fear porn from the right. Here's my thing with like, what are you going to do at a federal level that is going to affect cancel culture in, in any way, shape, or form. Like this has become a societal problem. This is not a political problem at this point. Uh, yeah. W- w- here's what you get from this politically Jargo uh, is your turn around. You're, you're, you're watching these, the, the major manipulated media networks. Uh, all they're going to be airing is more hearings and testimonies and, uh, you know, taking legal action on, on trying to force, you know, major social media, big tech into what they're allowed to do and what they're going to regulate. And again, that's your fear porn. It's not going to get us any moving anywhere. It's not going to evolve us as a society. It's not truly going to truly fix anything where we're going as a people, but it's that, it's that distraction that they're looking for when you're not talking about real issues, pressing issues that need to be addressed inside of this country. I feel like this being a pillar of the Trump campaign is just to rile people up. I, Trump's going to come out and he's going to talk about how they're trying to silence conservative voices and you, you have to speak louder than them. And it, it, everything gets loud and tensions get high. And I just, I do not think that Donald Trump is the answer in 2024. I, I, I know that there's a lot of Trump supporters, you know, that are, are, are just gung-ho with this whole Trump thing. And I'm I, as I'm watching highlights from CPAC, I'm watching speeches. I'm like, you guys have some really good candidates that you could run against Joe Biden, assuming that he runs again in 2024, or Kamala Harris. And I, I just... I don't think Donald Trump is the answer. I I think it's just thinking, looking so much more short term. Yeah, I, and I, I'm hoping now it's just those that are inside the bubble that those on the right will be able to see the, a bigger picture, and maybe this can be relatable to to many of those on the right who often align themselves with uh, re, you know strong religious backing beliefs. Uh, if you truly believe in, in in the movement that Trump had started, we got the the, the snowball rolling here. Uh, you can tie that into religion. You know, John the Baptist had to hand the ball off to somebody else at some point, right? For there to be a much greater growth. So if that's what it takes to get through to you, that's how you have to view this thing. I don't see the the right going forward in any way with Trump at the helm at this point. Now, I, hey, there's a great foundation. You know, if, if you're firmly behind that, you want to believe in that, then what you do is you, you take the, that core, that fundamental, hand the ball off to someone else here. And ultimately, I mean, the goal for everyone should be not to squash out this other side, but to build bridges. And you're not going to get that with Trump at the, at the helm there. Well, and we, we talked a lot during the election season about personality versus, you know, actual policy. And, and the problem with Trump is the personality. I, I think that whether it be for better or worse, the personality is what it is. 
And I, I don't feel like you want that to become the personality of the entire Republican Party. Uh, Ted Cruz, of course, he spoke Friday at CPAC. Uh, this is how he started oh, off his speech. And they look at Donald J. Trump and they look at the millions and millions of people inspired who went to battle fighting alongside President Trump and they're terrified. And they want him to go away. Let me tell you this right now. Donald J. Trump ain't going anywhere. I mean, does that not just sound like Donald Trump? I mean, the way that he's up there ranting, Trump's not going anywhere. Like, dude, (laughs) calm the fuck down, Ted. We had a great conversation last week about political futures for some of these these big political personalities, if you will. Yeah. Man, I, I don't know. You know, I took a hard stance. I I thought maybe that his political career was dead in the water last week. I got to tell you, man, I, I, I don't know which way I'm going. I'm kind of caught in the waves of Cruz's political future here. You talk about, but you got to pop for it. He just does not give two shits anymore. Nope. Nope. Not even he, a little bit. Who, who, he little. Reminds, who's your, here's who he reminds me of now. Uh, I guess you know, is that relatable to professional wrestling world? Somehow Ted Cruz has become the Sandman. Yeah, <laughs> I'm literally just waiting for him to start smoking and drinking while he's being interviewed. For right, right. Uh, here's uh, another great Ted Cruz clip. Uh, this about the uh, COVID regulations at CPAC this year. Can I just stop and say how strange the rules are right now? I want to understand how this virus works. So when you walk in, you got to put your mask on. Sadly, I've got two. You walk in, you got to put your mask on. You sit down, you take your mask off. See, apparently the virus is actually connected to elevation. No, no, remember, this is all about science. It's actually, it may not be elevation. I think it's, it, it's that there are hormones that are released in your thighs when you're sitting. So you can sit at the table and there's no virus being transmitted. But if you stand up, put the mask on! And listen, let's be clear, this is a dangerous virus. But these collectivist status, okay, now they're saying everybody can get immunized. We can have herd immunity everywhere, and we're going to wear masks for the next 300 years. And by the way, not just one mask, two, three, four, you can't have too many masks. How much virtue do you want to signal? Stupid COVID regulations. (laughs) Huh? Absolutely hilarious. Hilarious. And then, uh, uh, of course, uh, good old Ted Cruz, he had, he had to throw in uh, uh, this little jab at uh, at Florida versus uh, Cancun. God bless CPAC. I got to say, Orlando is awesome. It's not as nice as Cancun. Yeah, Ted Cruz don't give a fuck. Ted Cruz does not give one single solitary shit anymore, dude. It's hilarious. Hilarious. Donald Trump broke Ted Cruz. Uh, Absolutely, man. I I, I love it. That's why I don't know where I stand here. If anything, just for the pure entertainment value, I, I am popping for Ted Cruz. Oh, my gosh. By comparison, uh, Saturday... 
there was another speaker that I thought absolutely brought the freaking house down. She is the governor of South Dakota, Miss Christy Nome. Uh, here is a bit of a highlight package from Governor Nome's speech. Now, most governors shut down their states. What followed was record unemployment, businesses closed, most schools were shuttered, and communities suffered. And the U.S. economy came to an immediate halt. Now, let me be clear. COVID didn't crush the economy. Government crushed the economy. And then, just as quickly, government turned around and held itself out as the savior. And frankly, the Treasury Department can't print money fast enough to keep up with Congress's wish list. But not everyone has followed this path. For those of you who don't know, South Dakota is the only state in America that never ordered a single business or church to close. We never instituted a shelter-in-place order. We never mandated that people wear masks. We never even defined what an essential business is, because I don't believe that governors have the authority to tell you that your business isn't essential. South Dakota schools are no different than schools everywhere else in America, but we approached the pandemic differently. From the earliest days of the pandemic, our priority was the students, their well-being, and their education. When it was time to go back to school in the fall, we put our kids in the classroom. Teachers, administrators, parents, and the students themselves were of one mind to make things work for our children. And the best way to do that was in the classroom. Now, in South Dakota, I provided all of the information that we had to our people, and then I trusted them to make the best decisions for themselves, for their families, and in turn, their communities. We never focused on the case numbers. Instead, we kept our eye on hospital capacity. Now, Dr. Fauci, he told me that on my worst day, I'd have 10,000 patients in the hospital. On our worst day, we had a little over 600. I don't, I don't know if you agree with me, but Dr. Fauci is wrong a lot. <laughs> Even in a pandemic, public health policy needs to take into account people's economic and social well-being. Daily needs still need to be met. People need to keep a roof over their heads. They need to feed their families. And they still need purpose. They need their dignity. Now, my administration resisted the call for virus control at the expense of everything else. We looked at the science, the data, and the facts, and then we took a balanced approach. Truthfully, I never thought that the decisions that I was making were going to be unique. I thought that there would be more who would follow basic conservative principles. But I guess I was wrong. Ask yourself this question. How far will people go to enforce mask mandates? Once you start lockdowns, how long can you sustain them? In South Dakota, we had some cases in March and April, but the virus didn't really hit the Midwest until late fall. Should we have kept people in their homes from March onward? Of course not. You know, it's important to ask these questions. We have to show people how arbitrary these restrictions are, and the coercion, the force, and the anti-liberty steps that governments take to enforce them. Often, the enforcement isn't based on facts. Justifying these mitigation efforts has been anything but scientific. Now, many in the media, they criticized South Dakota's approach. They labeled me as ill-informed, that I was reckless, and even a denier. Some even claimed that South Dakota was 
as bad as it gets anywhere in the world when it comes to COVID-19. That is a lie. The media, the media did all of this while simultaneously praising governors who issued lockdowns, who mandated masks and shut down businesses, applauding them as having taken the right steps to mitigate the spread of the virus. At one point, I appeared on George Stephanopoulos' Sunday show. I don't know if you watched that. No, you don't? Shocker. He had just wrapped up a segment with New York Governor Andrew, Andrew Cuomo, where he asked, he asked Cuomo to give me some advice on how to deal with COVID. Now, now seems like a really good time to remind everyone of what Governor Cuomo was doing in New York. On March 25th, Cuomo ordered COVID patients into nursing homes, and he prohibited the staff from testing people before admitting them. Nine days later, he pushed legislation prohibiting nursing home lawsuits over COVID deaths. Six days after that, he prohibited nursing homes from sending COVID patients to the nearby Naval Hospital ship or the field hospital both of which were essentially empty. Now, eight days after that, the first deaths started to show up. And on January 28th of this year, the New York Attorney General announced that Cuomo and his administration significantly undercounted the number of COVID-related deaths in nursing homes by as much as 50%. To make matters worse, they tried to cover it up. Now, that, that is the media's COVID hero. And by the way, you know, he also earned an Emmy, and he wrote a book on his COVID response. So who really needed the advice? Rick, I really, really like Christy Uh and she's easy on the eyes. She's of the younger generation. She's a bit more progressive. She presents as presidential as fuck. And I can just imagine, could you imagine, ladies and gentlemen, for just a second, If you have 80-some-odd-year-old Joe Biden on a stage against a woman with a Native American background and a Caucasian background, and she's got an African-American potential vice presidential candidate, like, the Republicans could really present themselves as, we're not the party of the old white man. That's the party of the old white man. Look at there's the old white man. And could you imagine, if... If the first female president was a Republican, holy shit, you know how fucking great that would be for the show? We would have sound clips for days. You have, what you what you really have there is the, the core, the creation of this perfect storm. Drug, as you laid out, where you tie in all of these different demographics of America. Uh, so instead of this divide of, you know, this conservative, this progressive What you really have, you have a blend of everything that truly makes America beautiful, and they're completely represented by a total ass kicker. What down to its core is what everybody loves about America. And the thing is, man, when you look at Christy Nome's policy versus Donald Trump's policy, they're almost identical. It's just the personality and the package that they're presented in. I think the the Republican Party would be so much smarter to run Christy Nome and Senator Tim Scott as as the fucking ticket. You know what we say in the uh, the hospitality business, man? Presentation, presentation, presentation. Absolutely. 
The following announcements have been paid for by the sponsors of the Hameen Media Group. Hameen Media Group brand management is taking over. Social media, video, audio, design, marketing, and more. HMG Brand Management is proud to be partnered with Vince Russo's The Brand, Stevie Ray TV, Rip Rogers' FR Podcast, Goldilocks, Big Vito Brand, The A-Show starring Aaron Stevens and April Hunter, The Two-Man Power Trip, and now Angelina Love in Velvet Sky, The Beautiful People. Search for all of our HMG Brand Management partners on your favorite podcatchers, YouTube, and of course, Patreon. Support your favorite HMG ring veterans by visiting ProWrestlingTees.com, Dr. Man Beast Ted McNailer, Greek God Papadon, SCG Search from Big Sal, Chris Silvio, Stevie Richards, and of course the Ayatollah himself, Ben Hameen. Hey bro, wake up with the official Vince Russo coffee from Broaster's Coffee. Medium roasted, Nicaraguan blend with chocolatey notes and a smooth finish that'll have you ready to go, bro. Available only at thebroasters.com. For a flavorful hashtag RBV fitness foodie experience, visit zorosoliveoil.com. Zordos Ultra Premium Extra Virgin Olive Oil is exclusively sourced from the Zordos family private 100-year-old olive groves in Greece. Taste the difference and visit zordosoliveoil.com today. StevieRichardsFitness.com For the most affordable and effective home workout program that'll give you results, real results. 12 and 16 week resistant band programs are available for instant download now at StevieRichardsFitness.com Russo'sBrand.com Where the pros are pros, bro. Get the most valid takes in wrestling from the pros who live it. Visit Russo'sBrand.com Subscribe to Hacker Hameen and Hameen Media Group on Podbeam.com and visit Patreon.com backslash Hameen Media Group. We now take you to your featured HMG presentation. All right, man. Back for HTM Sports from the break. And really only two stories to discuss, but they are two pretty big stories. One that is true and one that might end up being true. Number one, we know that J.J. Watt is leaving Houston. He's going out to Arizona, going to hook up with his old friend, DeAndre Hopkins. And Rick, when I first heard this, I thought, what the fuck? Like, I I thought for sure J.J. Watt would end up going to, like, you know, a a, a Green Bay, maybe a Chicago. Uh, I could see maybe a Pittsburgh. Like, because J.J. Watt's all about winning. He wants to be on a contender. And instead he goes to Arizona? And I was like, what? Well, that doesn't make any sense to me. And then I heard. And then I heard. How many reasons? How many reasons do you need? Yeah. Then I heard 31 million for two years. And I was like, oh. Well, well, that's why. Hey, 31 million reasons to lo- relocate to the desert. Woo! Hell yeah. Uh, I think it's going to have some fun out there. You, you got a team that, that's on the rise. They're exciting. Uh, a fan base that's excited to, to get behind a, a movement there. I, I know there wasn't a lot of buzz. I Hell, talking to people. I don't think I heard anyone mention this. I don't think I heard any of the talking heads putting Arizona into this conversation. But, hey, they came in. They delivered with the payday. Hopefully it works out for them. I think they overpaid for J.J. Watt at this point in his career. I mean, that just seems like crazy money 
in, in 2021 for J.J. Watt. But, well, I think what's really interesting is you look at that two-year, uh, as we talked about last week. With the cap. Here at HTM, hashtag HTM Sports. You're going to look at these two- to three-year deals because of the decrease in the cap. Yeah. Now, he went out and set a hell of a precedent here to, for a two-year contract. Yeah, the thing that's crazy, man, when you look at the NFC West now, right? You got Matt Stafford in LA, you got Kyler Murray in Arizona, you got Jimmy Garoppolo, you got Russell Wilson, at least for now. And then you start looking at the defenses. That San Francisco defense is pretty goddamn good. You got Aaron Donald and what the Rams are doing down there. Now you got J.J. Watt in Arizona. Like you could put together a whole freaking Pro Bowl team just out of the NFC West. Wait, you know, as you lay it out there, especially looking at these quarterbacks, and we're talking about these defenses, they're already there. They're top notch, uh, but you've got to you've got to you got to keep up to stay up. Inside I, of this division. I guess that's that what was Arizona did here. Yeah. Is this keeping up with the Joneses? Because, you know, you got Seattle's making moves. You got the 49ers are going to get healthy. The Rams are, are doing everything they can. You're Arizona. You are looking to break through. And you got to be uh, shaking and moving to keep grooving. I, I think, you know, this, I, I know it, it seems kind of crazy when we look at this, the dollar value. Uh, but this was a, a big move, a bold statement for the Cardinals. And I, I think you got to believe, I mean, it, their fan base, it has to be ecstatic over this. You talk about bold statements. Um, Rick, there is trouble in Seattle. I, I have been hearing some smoke for, geez, probably about a month now that Russell Wilson is not happy in Seattle. And while he has not come out and demanded a trade, I guess we are basically just short of that. Uh, of course, Russell Wilson does have a trade clause in his contract, so he would have to approve of wherever they want to send him. Like R- Russell Wilson ain't going to Carolina. Um, but now I'm hearing all kinds of smoke, and where there's smoke, there's fire. Russell Wilson to Dallas? Would you say that they're sleepless in Seattle? Oh. Well, and I mean, Seahawks fans have have got to just be absolutely crushed by this possibility. I mean, Russell Wilson is the heart and soul of that freaking yeah, team. We, we talk about uh, a high and a fan base on a buzz in Arizona, uh, just up the street in the in the Western Division, or the, uh, yeah, the division there. Whew. Uh, not so much. I mean, this has got to be a huge panic, right? It, it's got to be. Um, and, and when you hear the, the teams that Russell Wilson is talking about that he would be open to going to, and you're getting names like Dallas, Chicago, New Orleans, uh, Rick, these are all entertainment hubs. Uh, the, New York, I guess, is a possibility, whether it be the Jets or the Giants. Uh, it's all about Ciara and her wanting to get the fuck out of Seattle. Well, you got that there, and now you're at a point you know, one thing with Russell Wilson is he's, you know, he's always in that conversation when we're talking about on the field, but in, you know, in building the brand and markability, I know he has his spots. He's, he's involved in certain things, but I don't think I would put him in that upper echelon when it comes to a growing that brand like that. He has one endorsement deal and it's with Bose. I mean, it's like super high end audio stuff, right? And you've got, you know, you're sitting there talking about that, though, and you're looking around here at some of these other quarterbacks where not only are you in a conversation, but you're 
you're held in a higher regard than most of them. And they're pulling all, you know, ultimately this side bank, uh, this nice side coin. Dak Prescott, who, what would you say? Dak's probably what? Right middle of the road quarterback? Wouldn't you say? I would say most of his hype is simply, and what probably seems so, you know, sexy about the possibility of, of the move is because of where he plays and it's to have that star. I know they haven't had success, but to have where that star still brings such a tremendous deal of notoriety and respect and just attention. Dak Prescott made $50 million from endorsement deals last year. And he's like a middle of the road quarterback. Russell Wilson, one endorsement deal. That's the difference between being the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys and the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks, regardless of how good you are. Absolutely. That is the reality of it. You know, this is a business. I wonder how much comes into play here, too. You know, if if it's maybe there's been a little unrest for maybe a while, this has been brewing. The confidence that Russell Wilson has has had kind of built up in him seeing the success of Tom Brady breaking off the, you know, what we would believe was going to be disastrous for all parties and then ultimately see him go there and capture that championship. I, you know, they showed Russell Wilson during the Super Bowl um, because he was receiving the Walter Payton Man of the Year award, right? Yes. And, and I thought, God, he just looks pissed off. Like he didn't look like Russell Wilson. And I saw a report just a couple days ago. I don't remember where that was from. Um, that Russell Wilson was just watching that game, just seething, watching Tom Brady in that game. What well, you got to believe anything that drives you. And, you know, we're on the same team. We work with some tremendous talents. And even when you look at what, what other individuals are doing, it drives you. And uh, come on. And anybody, if you're competitive, you want to succeed. It's not that, you, you know, that you're holding a grudge or anything like that. But you see something like, man, I, like, it, I, sh- I want that spot. You got to think he's sitting there watching that Super Bowl. I mean, he's got to be thinking, man. Tom is over forty years old. This Mahomes kid, I was him before anyone. He, you know, when he was still going to prom. I am getting the short end of the deal here up in Seattle. Well, and not even necessarily just the Tom part of it, but watching Tampa Bay and really Kansas City too, and how good those offensive lines were. Now, the Kansas City offensive line kind of got ate up inside of the Super Bowl, but we we know they had a lot of injuries to that offensive line. That's not an excuse. That's just reality. Yeah, you, you got to deal with the cards, but at full force, that's a much different team. But you look at Seattle and their offensive line, Russell Wilson's been running for his life for like what, four years. What have been the headlines out of Seattle for the last couple of years? He's so Russell Wilson is so good. He'll make up for all those other shortcomings. Yeah, and and I he, I think he's feeling pretty goddamn tired of having to deal with those shortcomings. Hey, he's no spring checker anymore either. No, no, but you know, and we talked about this when they signed Russell Wilson to that new big term contract. We were like, yeah, but now your offensive line is going to stink. And guess what? Now the offensive line stinks. Patrick Mahomes. Guess what? You're going to become Russell Wilson. As soon as that contract kicks in, you're done, kid. You're done. Yeah, absolutely. 
So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button and then hit the platform that you may not be listening to, whether it be the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com, Hameen Media, two feeds, hackerhameen.podbean.com, as well as hameenmediagroup.podbean.com. You can keep up with the show at HTM underscore pod. Keep up with me at not Jargo. RBV, what do you got going on? Well, you hit the uh, the HMG plugs there. Uh, just real quick, again, you know, we got all the great affiliate program over at HameenMediaGroup.Bobby.com. But hey, we also got uh, our crew, too, hitting the marks.com. Uh, we got content across the board, uh, wrestling, horror, uh, the, the satire, the, the headlines, the happenings right here. Once so again, make sure that you're uh, checking out all the program, hitting the marks.com. Uh, for me personally, and keep up with the RBV across all social media at the real RBV. But we are ready to uh, roar into March, baby. Looking forward to all the exciting developments and staying in touch with everybody right here the Hitting the Mark podcast. And I'm looking forward to tacos. We will talk to you next week right here on the flagship. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Taco time. Watch your fingers. Enable me. Don't give up. Yo, bad guy! Yeah.